Hello there, and welcome to the 24 Gauge Podcast. We are your hosts, Dave and Julia Grant. A couple of nurses who are also a couple. We are Canadian RNs with 25 years of shared acute care experience who have built professional careers and a life together. Join us each episode as we have conversations about the real, the introspective, the deep, and the dorky of living life as a nurse. And welcome to another episode of the 24 Gauge Podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm sold on that intro music yet, but I guess we'll work on that. <laughs> it was what was preloaded on the it recorder. Was it was the path of least resistance. <laughs> Hold on, I need some Phil and Sebastian coffee to get oh my Oh my goodness, started. name dropping already, are we? <laughs> All right, while Dave's sipping away at his coffee there, I figured we should probably actually explain the name of our podcast since several people, i.e., you know, two of our three subscribers (laughs) have asked us where the name comes from. So allow us to explain for both nurses and non-nurses alike. IVs, like the needles that you use to introduce the cannulas into your veins to give fluids into your venous system. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, we are trained professionals. (laughs) But how often do you have to actually explain your job? Yeah, exactly. Anyways, so IV cannulas, that is the little things they stick in your arm to give you fluids, are um, assigned a number based on their size, except that the number they're given is inversely related to the size, which is really weird, but whatever. Don't get me started on that. There's a whole history that involves the British steel industry or something like that. But anyways, in the hospital... Because of course, Julia would know this. Well, a little bit of it. <laughs> I'm sure I heard it on somebody else's <laughs> podcast at some point. Anyways, in the hospital, we use IVs that are generally gauges 14 through 26. Now, if... You were to, uh, sorry, 14 through 26, with 14 being the largest needle and 26 being the smallest. Now, if you were to walk into any eMERGE today, I wouldn't recommend it unless you absolutely need to. But Mm. an eMERGE nurse who needed to give you fluids would probably immediately pop a 20-gauge IV into your ACF, which is the inside of your elbow. It's a big needle into a big vein, give you lots of fluids really quickly. It's not quite a garden hose size, but it's close. But it's close. Now, if you were to go, if you were to be admitted to a medical floor and someone was starting an IV on you there, you might get a 20 or you might get a 22 gauge, which is a slightly smaller but also very useful needle for more long-term fluids over a matter of days. Um, A 24 gauge IV is usually reserved for kind of a last resort in adults where people have really small veins, it's hard to get IV access on them, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not usually the first choice for IV therapy in the hospital. However, in oncology, our standard is actually to put 24 gauge IVs onto our patients for chemotherapy. And the reason being is that a lot of chemotherapy agents are quite caustic to your veins. They're known as vesicants or at the very least irritants. And so what we want when we're giving that to you through an IV is for that IV to be very small going into a nice big fat juicy vein so that those drugs mix with a lot of blood the minute they're in your body to reduce irritation on your veins. So it's a bit of an odd choice for an IV throughout most of medicine, but it makes sense in oncology. And maybe that's an analogy for us. It's a bit of an odd choice to be married and working, but it works for us. Married and working did, together, now, I should how, say. How much thought did you give to that being an analogy? I, You know, that kind of just rolled off my tongue earlier today, go. and I was like, well, I guess I'll use that. Yeah, it's, it sounds great. <laughs> so there you go. That's so, where it comes from, IV sizes for giving chemotherapy, which makes sense because we're both oncology nurses. 
So then the only thing that comes up is then on our, on the socials and Spotify and stuff is we've written it the 24, like the number 24 G, which is how you would write gauge. But then we're also the accepted adding, abbreviation yeah, for the gauge in our industry. But then we're also adding it in sometimes in like brackets, the age part of gauge. And then sometimes we're writing it out. So still trying to figure out how best to get across it so that people can search for it. Because if you tried to write 24 gauge podcast, it might not show up yep. quite yet. So anyway, there'll be links in the show notes for all of this. <laughs> for stuff all that of you can this. Just go to. So we are the 24 gauge podcast, but it's spelled 24G mm-hmm. podcast. Not to, be consu- not to be confused with this other podcast that's from Apartment 24G in Milan, but they haven't done anything in a year and a half, so it's fine. Oh, okay. So, also, this name was not taken. The domain name was free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that also played into our choice of name <laughs> selection for our podcast. <laughs> so, there you have it. There is our explanation. So, what are we talking about today, Dave Grant? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had decided that we were going to talk about living life with a nurse and what it's actually like Oh yeah, having a nurse as a partner, what that means. Well, so we've been married for eight <laughs> Had to years think about now, that. <laughs> together for nine. Yes, very good. Well, yeah. Nine-ish. Yeah, nine. like nine and a half, and we've been married for just yeah. over eight. Yeah, and um, yes, do the math. We got engaged and married fairly quickly. We're still trying to figure it out. We are, but I think um, I, I don't know. I think that there are some what's the word I'm looking for idiosyncrasies. That's maybe not the right word. There's some things that are very word. unique <laughs> about living with another nurse or just living with a nurse in general. And yeah. there's a lot of memes about it out on the internet. So we're going to address some of those today and whether they are true or not and what that looks like in our relationship. Well, let's right off the top of the bat, let's talk about just being two nurses working full time and working full time, except for this year right now, because you're PCC, but working shift work. Yes. So pre-pandemic, which is also pre-toddler. <laughs> For us, yes. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, there were times that you would go a couple of days without really seeing each other, other, other than like at bedtime, like in the evening or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe a little bit in the morning if one was on nights. But uh, it also gave you a lot of time to kind of do your own thing, see your own friends, um, pursue your own hobbies. And then when we had time off together, we would try to maximize those days for our, for each other. Yeah. And I think that's true for anyone who lives with a shift worker, whether or not you are also a shift worker yourself, is that if you're living with a shift worker and someone who's going to be doing days and nights or combinations thereof and stuff, there is going to be built in time apart in your schedule. Mm -hmm. And this can be really hard when you like for us, sometimes we'll be ships in the night. We won't see each other except at shift change, like at shift change handoff report for, you know, five minutes while one's coming and going for like 72 hours. We just won't we won't actually be in the physically like physically in the same space. Um, And there will be times where, you know, we might be completely opposite, which means we don't have days off together for Mm -hmm. weeks at a time, like a full day off. And so I think like you need to recognize if you're living with someone who does shift work, but particularly a nurse, you're going to have to embrace those bits of downtime apart for the times that you'll do stuff for yourself that you will. Yeah, like Dave said, you'll see your own friends that maybe you don't share as a couple or you'll pursue your own hobbies that you wouldn't necessarily do together. Do the things that 
you wouldn't do together when you have that built-in time apart so that when you do have time together, you're really prioritizing life as a couple. Yeah. And like, we've been lucky enough, like we've been lucky enough in our unit. It's such a small unit. Um, we've had a number of different schedules. And in fact, I've built the last couple of schedules. Like he means master rotations. Which, and then we've been able to kind of like beg our colleagues to let us choose certain lines so that we maximize us being off together, but not working together. Like we like working together, but when we say working together, we actually really work really hard to not actually be on the same shift together. Yeah. Especially now that quote, we have a child. Except quote unquote at the moment, because Julie is covering the PCC line for a couple of months, which is a whole different Thing. Just means I'm the chart, like that charge nurse, head nurse on the unit, and just day shift. So, it, just so shifts. it's a little harder to do. But we've actually tried really hard to like to not work together on the floor. So we work on the same floor, but we don't actually work together on the floor. We don't share shifts all the time. Like if we're in our normal master rotation, which, like we said, is not the case right now, but shortly again will be. We work about twenty shifts a year together. I'd say, right? That's our yeah, about, actual about overlap. And now that we have a a child, we actually we try and take those days off. One will, one of us will take those days off as vacation, mm-hmm. so that someone's always home with our kid, which is which is a pretty great thing about our schedules. Actually, we both work full time, and we don't like we don't need full time daycare. There, there's a parent home. Pretty much all the pretty time. Pretty much three hundred and sixty five days days a year. Yeah, there are still like there are still days that we need. Um, you know, grandma downstairs to babysit and stuff. Because one of us will be on days, one of us will be on nights. Got to sleep during the day. Um, but, you know, overnight, there's always a parent home to watch Ethan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually, th- like, for dinners and stuff, there's also somebody home. So Ethan gets a lot of, like, parent time every single day. He's not getting shipped off to, to daycare and stuff, which is fine. Uh, I'm just glad that we haven't had to spend the money to do that. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, again, it's not that we don't like actually being on the same shift as each other. I just especially with family life as it is now, it really works out conveniently for us if we are not on the same shift together with having a small child at home. And it probably has been better for our colleagues, maybe. Maybe we're not like I don't I mean, know. No like, one gives us negative feedback, but maybe it is easier to not have to like work with us as a married couple and I don't know. Yeah, like I know that there have been times <laughs> in the past where like one of us will be off and the other one will call in sick. And there's been like scuttlebutt that, you know, to the managers that we've called in sick so that we could go do something with our significant other, which so we've actually had to be really careful about that. Like how do we post on Instagram when one is home and one's supposed to be home, but the other is sick? Like what do we do and stuff just to, you know, not have anything bad thought about you, it. You make it sound like this is something we do regularly that we have to watch our Instagram posts. Number one, we don't regularly post on Instagram not anymore, really, no. honestly. And number two, we're not regularly calling in sick to spend time to each other. But say someone is scheduled off and someone by, legitimately... By, reg- by not regularly, Julia means we don't. We don't <laughs> at all. <laughs> it just, it's but, just that perception. Right? Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. And that's the thing that, that our employers tried to make sure that we're protected with, with the extra rules that we have and whatnot, that the perception isn't that we're doing things or that we're doing everything by the book. Yeah. So it's- Which, we're, which we both care a lot about. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you know- you... I never want my integrity questioned at work because I work with you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, we you work with, like, especially on a smaller unit like us, 
you work with the same people and you see them more than you see your own family sometimes and you're working at three in the morning and stuff and things just get talked about and whatnot. Yeah. Which is, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I don't think it's caused too much hardship for us or too much awkwardness for our colleagues. I don't think nobody's ever said anything. And we have some pretty good friends at work who I think would have been, who would have told us. Well, and again, I think, like I said on our last episode, I, I, I personally think that the fact that there's still people figuring out that we're married yeah. now, eight years into our relationship says that we're like, we're pretty clearly professional if we're sharing the workplace together. Mm. So, so I'm going to segue that right into one of those like meme things about nursing that's out there all over the internet um, to comment whether this is true or not. So shift working, especially as a nurse, means you never get to have holidays or et cetera, like birthdays, special events and stuff with your family. True or not true? True. I wouldn't say it's... Not absolute. Yeah. But it's true. You have you have to... If you try to have every holiday, every long weekend, every birthday, every anniversary off mm-hmm. you'll either one use up all your vacation time just doing that yep or you'll burn yourself out and on the case of such a small unit like this you'll just always be asking for swaps yeah and you'll and in that case you end up just throwing off the rhythm of your schedule and that in and of itself gets quite exhausting as well that's hard to do i think you have to at the beginning of your career if you're going to be working shift work you have to bargain with yourself and figure out what like what is going to be okay with you in terms of how much you're going to miss and what are the things that are the absolute priority for you to to actually be around for mm-hmm. and you're going to have to let some things go and i've um i really appreciate this analogy now i'm going to forget who first made it but um they talked about in life you have you know priorities and responsibilities and relationships and stuff that are within your 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 sphere of like what you spend your time and energy on. And some of those things you can picture as glass balls and some are plastic. And the plastic ones, if you happen to drop them, they bounce, they don't break. You can pick them up again at another point, but those glass balls. Brene Brown, I think. Brene Brown? I think so. I mean, the woman says so many wonderful things. So we'll possibly chalk it up to her. But, you know, the glass balls are the ones you have to be really careful about. Um, because if you drop that, it shatters. You can't just pick that right back up, right? So you need to decide at the beginning of your career what's glass and what's plastic. And sometimes you decide that for yourself, and sometimes that's kind of dictated for you, depending on your circumstances. But I think that also comes in terms of special events, holidays, birthdays, etc. Which ones are the glass balls that you're just not going to drop? And whatever happens, you're always going to make that work. And which are the ones that are plastic and they can get dropped every other year or every third year or you just find a way to really celebrate those things not on the designated day like case in point dave and i happened to get married on what ended up being a long weekend in our province and uh, it wasn't our choice necessarily to get married then but uh my mother owns a catering company so she had very limited time slots available and my parents lived up and north. his parents lived way up north and had a very very narrow time window in terms of which they could actually physically travel down to the south of Canada. And when we mean up north, I mean wave at Greenland north. So we were <laughs> we were very limited in when we could pick when to have a wedding that our families could be at. But now we are stuck with an anniversary that always falls in the middle of summer with a long weekend. So 
and the fact that we're both shift workers, when do we ever actually get our wedding anniversary yeah. off together? So we've just made it a priority over the years to celebrate it at some point, even if it never falls on that actual day. And I think that's yeah. true for a lot of other things in our lives, too, that, you know, it's very rare that we both get Christmas off. Mm-hmm. You know, like this year is a very rare circumstance. Yeah, we, we both, we Christmas both Eve have Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas yeah. off. That's a shocker for me. Yeah. What are we going to do with all that time together? I, I, I wonder if you were in your actual line, if you would have, if you would be working them. I would have had Christmas off this year, but not New Year's Eve. Mm. So, so sometimes that works out and that's lucky in your, you know, you get the chance to do the holidays on the actual days. But you know what? If you're living with a nurse or someone else who does shift work and it doesn't fall that way, then just, you know, adjust the expectation and be okay with celebrating on a different day, maybe. If it's important to you. Now, I do want to kind of like put the caveat in that it's fluid and and those glass balls that Julia was talking about, those will evolve as you grow older. and They will change over time. Your career moves on and stuff like that. Um, When you're 20, your priorities, well, when you're in your 20, sorry, you'd have to be really good to be a nurse at 20, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> be a child genius when you're in your 20s your priorities are way different mm-hmm. and so we're Usually. not saying don't make all the switches and try to get to all the holidays and whatnot but over time it becomes harder and harder to try to fit into the nine to five school year type of schedule mm. that we all grew up with mm-hmm. and just in our experience nurses who um try to f- fight and force that schedule onto their lives as shift workers tend to struggle more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just take that as a word of advice from two nurses that have been doing this for 25 years. Don't burn yourself out trying to make it to every single family event. Yeah. You, yeah. you need to, I don't know if it's a part guilt. I mean, I know for us there it was part guilt that we needed to be able to make sure we get to every family event, but you need to let yourself be free and understand just, let yourself relax and not feel like you have to force yourself into everything. You just can't. There's too much going on and too many people work the nine to five Monday to Friday life and you you don't have shift workers and to try to shoot yourself into that is really hard. And that's actually something that you had to help me with very much so at the beginning of my career because you'd already been nursing for several years and you've already had kind of had to learn this lesson a bit the hard way for yourself. Mm -hmm. And we started dating just as like right at the beginning of my career. So I was just starting to work out what being a shift worker actually meant for, for my life, for my time and, and whatever else. And you had to like, with a lot of grace and a very firm hand often tell me, don't try and do things on the day that you're coming off of night shifts. Don't try and like schedule yourself Mm -hmm. full on the day that you're switching from days to nights. Cause on our schedule, we normally rotate through two days, two nights, and then days off. Uh, don't try and do something in between that day shift and your yeah. first night shift. Don't cram that all full because you will bring yourself out. Yeah. Like we were talking about in our last episode, our job is stressful enough. Mm-hmm. And then if you're burning the candle at both ends, because usually when you try to shoehorn your shift work life into a nine to five life, it means no sleep. Mm-hmm. It means working on little sleep. Um, and that's... That's going to burn you out. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. And you can be a 20-something and, you know, try and run off of Red Bulls. And you can do that for a period of time. But the body keeps score and eventually it, keep, it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the body, we segue into another one of those nursing stereotypes that you see. Uh, do we, as nurses, in our 
day-to-day normal life talk about bodily functions at inappropriate times including the dinner table (laughs) hells yes Yes, it does come up we do tell work stories at the dinner table absolutely hilarious when you're sitting around family christmas dinner and you start talking about the worst bowel movement that somebody had at work (laughs) it's great (laughs) i mean trying to have a little compassion for the people who uh get squeamish about things but uh no no compassion at all it's fun (laughs) I also live in a house filled with boys. We have a son and a male dog. So I'm very like surrounded by a lot of male energy in this house. So like the poop stories are just the hit. Well, sometimes me and Ethan, we just like yell poop and (laughs) fart and make gross noises. I mean, the kid is just not going to be able to be squeamish because he's going to have to grow up around all of this. Yeah. Because I don't like, I don't, you, neither you nor I are squeamish about telling stories. No. Ever. Well, I will say, I will put a caveat on that and say, I can deal with all the grossest stories from work and like talk to my friends who are trauma nurses or, you know, just people dealing with really gnarly things at work. I can hear about those stories or even see them in person and be fine. I can't deal with it on TV. Mm. I know that's so weird, but that's like, that's that is a weird one. That's come up a bunch in our relationship where I'm just like, oh, I can't handle this gratuitous violence or gore or something like that. Or even just stuff that's like, it's gratuitous, but it's slightly comical. Like what movie were we watching the other day? Bullet Train. Yeah, Bullet Train, which is like, it feels like somewhere between, what, you said Guy Ritchie and... And Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino, right? And and I was just like, nope, something about this just Meanwhile, doesn't... I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched it twice so far. And I like, an hour in, I'm like, not even, it was maybe 40 minutes and yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, this isn't for me. So I don't know what that's about where I can't handle it on a screen, but in real life, I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll talk about it at dinner. I can't watch it on the screen. Dave yeah. is fine either way. <laughs> I I really like telling nursing stories that like will weird people out. I feel like I feel like I wish I had more fun stories that where people get like the fun grossed out and they're like, you know, one of those things where people are like, oh, I can't look away, but I still want to hear about it. <laughs> I feel like I have less of those stories and more just kind of like of the tragic nature. Yeah, you've had quite a a few traumatic experiences. Which we will get into into a, in a different episode. Let's not add that flavor to this one. But it is true. I think I've had a lot more like traumatic experiences in my career somehow yeah. than you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had way more codes. True. But you've had a lot more traumatic I have. and stuff. I have. Yes. Yeah. Well, that'll be a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to afford ourselves fortify ourselves with a bottle of wine for that one for something that one yeah oh yeah that was one more thing that we talked about when we talked about forming this podcast having a drink of the day yeah, so, that we are so consuming normally we're gonna be starting with a coffee from phil and sebastian's <laughs> but today we are sipping on some holiday cider here it's lovely it's got some nice cinnamon and i even threw cloves in it at the risk of offending your taste buds I the clothes are fine it. as long as they don't get left in there. Because if they get left in there, oh my god! Well, I only realized Triggered. halfway through your cup, I hadn't started straining it, so I strained oh. it after that. If there's a stray one in there, I apologize. Because Dave had all... Dave apparently had a traumatizing experience with cloves in ham yeah. as a child. Yeah, they would get left in. <laughs> I don't know if your family ever did that, where they like score the top of the ham and then tuck cloves in there for flavor. But apparently, Dave, as a child, got a piece that had a clove still stuck in it. Not just once, but multiple times. And when you would bite into it oh, oh 
isn't that like a traditional remedy for like sore teeth or sore gums or something though? Like to like chew on cloves or rub cloves on it? Oh, I don't know. That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. I happen to Give like whiskey for that. All right. Well, you got whiskey in there too today. <laughs> That's good. Topped it off with crown for you. There you go. You're welcome. All right. So here's another nursing meme, nursing stereotype that we kind of just touched upon. We drink a lot of coffee. Lot of so coffee. much coffee how many I, pounds of coffee do you say we go through in a month what do we order because <laughs> we, we have a subscription they're, they're not quite a pound the bags themselves they're just they're just shy of a pound mm-hmm. but and we also we also buy for our buddy eric so he gets a bag from us and yeah but how many bags do we actually go through five five like five like almost five pounds of, like, i call it like four and a half pounds of coffee a, a month a month all right well that's not so bad and that's only what we drink at home <laughs> yeah. that doesn't include our workplace has like a keurig and there's a starbucks in the lobby so there we, we don't think four and a half pounds of coffee for two people is that bad i mean <laughs> we're comparing it to our other nursing friends that's true i don't know so. if, if you tell if you have uh if you know how much coffee you drink in a month if you make coffee at home Put it down in the. I'm gonna have a Q and A in on the show notes, Tell, and let us know how much coffee you actually drink. That yeah. would be fun to know because I'm, I'm thinking. Part of me is saying four and a half pounds. That's about right because it's about. I do a double shot in our espresso maker, and I make about two of those a day. Julia does about three shots a day, but they're all singles. But yeah, singles. So you know that's what that's about seven to eight shots a day, sometimes up to ten between the two of us. Let's be honest. That seems like a lot of coffee. (laughs) We're just caffeine buzzing all the time. (laughs) We're gonna do an episode later on about caffeine use and nursing as well, and like how to be smarter with your caffeine use because there's a lot of good research out there about that. And I feel like as nurses, we need to be more conscious of our caffeine intake. But you know what? Here's the thing. I just genuinely enjoy coffee. I'm not always Same. going to it for the caffeine hit. I just, I, I love the experience of having a cup of coffee in my hands and smelling it and drinking Especially it and just when enjoying you have it. Good co- and we're not talking I've, like, like been on the shelf for two months. It's mm-hmm. dry and old from like, Oily, uh, you know, your grocery store. We're talking about good. It was like roasted, roasted on Monday. I have the bag on Friday. From St. Sebastian's in Calgary. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And we're drinking really good roasted coffee. Yeah. So, like, here's the thing. I think I've said this to you before, too. I've definitely said this to some of my friends. Like, there are some days where I go to sleep at night wishing I could just skip sleeping so that it could be morning and I could have my cup of coffee again because it's totally inappropriate to drink a cup of coffee right before bed. Mm. I'm not a university student anymore. And, so. and we found and we found getting decaf a bag of decaf a month was a waste because we wouldn't have it all the time. Yeah. And then we just got stuck with this decaf coffee decaf and we end. really wanted the good caffeine. Yeah. Coffee. That was a bummer. Yeah. That's a good thing we stopped doing that. Death before decaf, right? <laughs> 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 okay. So we talked about coffee, another stereotype about mm-hmm. nurses, that they drink a lot of alcohol. Yeah, well, you know, when you work a night shift. There is no problem with coming home, cracking open a tall boy, and chugging it on your Instagram stories at <laughs> 8 in the morning. Hey, now, I only did that once. <laughs> well, I wasn't actually thinking about you. That was a long time a, ago. I, I was still in my 20s. Of, I was thinking about a friend of ours last Christmas for her her, her Christmas advent beer calendar. But sure, oh, you yeah, too. There's nothing true. wrong with it because that's your, that's your night. You're going that's to your bed. your 8 p.m. Yeah, it's your 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, nurses do tend to drink a lot. I when I first started, I remember when I first had my first patient die on me. Uh, I called my buddies up and said we're going to the bar that night. I was just 
I wasn't traumatized, but I didn't know how to deal with it. I never dealt with a dead body before and stuff. And um, Which is nothing... something that we do do at work. I think a lot of people are shocked to hear that we Quite deal often. with dead bodies. We put them in body bags. We send them to the morgue. That's part of what we do. It's called postmortem care. Yeah, and I, I had no, I had, I didn't know how to cope with it. So I'm like, I just want to go and no drink half fun to, uh, not to drink to like forget, but just to drink to not have to deal with it. And you I know, think... I've learned I've better coping mechanisms as I've gone on, but yeah. I think I think that's true for a lot of us when we start nursing because I mean even even you and I that went into nursing with a couple years of life experience out of high school mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people that do go straight from high school to university they go straight through get their degree they start working they're in the real world and they're dealing with all this kind of shit like yeah. this like I just said like most people never have to deal with a dead body in real life even like even policing and stuff they're not necessarily dealing with dead bodies all Mm -hmm. the time so like it's yeah i think a lot of nurses start drinking a lot at the beginning of their career or you know maybe as times get worse and times go on we start drinking more as they go along i don't know i think for me personally as i have gotten more experienced and also gotten older and you know tried to learn how to function better as a person and as a nurse i have tried to drink less and less Mm -hmm. And especially not after like traumatic or just like emotionally yeah. jarring type experiences. And I think oh, we, I do intend that at some point that we're going to do a podcast about, you know, as a nurse having a trauma self-care plan for mm. when you encounter these things at work. So we'll get more into the science of it at that point. But, you know, there's a lot of research out there that says like you take depressants like alcohol after a really traumatizing, jarring um, nervous system dysregulating experience and it actually makes it a lot harder to get out of it in the long run and I've started noticing that more and more yeah. about myself whether I just notice it now more that I'm older or I just wasn't conscious of it before I'm not sure but yeah there's probably a combination of that mm. um, I think when you're younger and you're dealing I mean I have no I this is just my opinion like I say I wing it I have no opinion this is just an opinion of an old white dude but I think when you're younger in our profession you have the resilience of a young person to sort of deal with things. Uh, And then as you get older, you realize that some of those things that you, some of those coping mechanisms weren't actually helping you. It was more your, your aging, the resilience nature that was, and you have to learn better ways to cope. Yeah. I think that's just part of the human experience, hopefully as we, as we get more life experience, we learn how better to cope with life. One well, can always and, hope. And I think I think it's that's actually become more acutely uh more acute in our understanding during the pandemic. Because yeah. everything is traumatic now. Everything is super stressful now. Yeah. And if we try to cope the way that we coped before the pandemic, be drinking every day, I, I I don't know. Like it wouldn't be healthy. So we've had to actually like I know for you and I, we've had to come face to face with how we cope or how we handle our mental health how we talk to each other about mental health, how we support each other in it. And we've and we've learned to do better coping mechanisms for when the days are tough. I definitely think we spend less on alcohol now than we did, say, even five years ago in our careers. Like, just overall, if I look at yeah. our budget and our spending together. Yeah, so, we, spend more, we spend more on coffee now. There you go. <laughs> we've transitioned. <laughs> We're older. <laughs> um, okay, so here's another living with a nurse stereotype. Uh, we never go to the doctor unless we're dying. 
I mean, Dave just I, never I, goes to the doctor. <laughs> I would say until the pandemic, yeah, that was true. It be, like I said, we were just said now we were we're trying to be more proactive about mm-hmm. mental health, yeah. which means I have you know reached out to my doctor a bit more during the pandemic about that. But for just like injuries and like colds and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, no, no. Nope. <laughs> We'll just deal with it. And also, uh, living with a nurse does not mean that you're getting like five star care at home if you are sick. <laughs> well, maybe that's not true for you, because let's let's face it, you like bring me everything and then leave me alone. That's your style of care for me when you're sick. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, be close, stay stay near, don't go away. And yeah. He's like, no, that's I'm not doing that for you. Yeah. <laughs> you're not actually my patient. <laughs> oh i'm sick give me snuggles nope you know what to do take care of yourself yeah exactly (laughs) you're on your own we're i would say hopefully we're not gonna be too much like that with our kid but i guess we'll see what kind of yeah but at the same time he turns into that's that's an owie Mm -hmm. but you're fine yep it's you you don't need to make a big deal i believe you you're hurt let's kiss it better off we go yeah yeah and that'll don't make a big deal of it that'll be the predominant way that he gets health care growing up (laughs) i just always i do fear (laughs) that i'm gonna be one of those nurse parents who's like you're fine shake it off and then they have a broken arm or something he's like walking on a broken (laughs) a broken foot for a week knowing he's your son i well i shouldn't say he's your son he's both our sons we were both fairly accident prone as kids we got a lot of stitches and casts and things Mm -hmm. yeah all right what else can you think of to talk about living as a nurse? We talk about things in anatomical terms. That's definitely true. Well, you do. I do. I I'm the no, science nerd here. I have no brain capacity for names. I, so Julia will list off. She'll go to the like the like get a, a massage and she'll come back and be like, "Oh yeah, they were really worked this." Blah, 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 blah. My and sternocloidal it, it, mastoid. Yeah, and <laughs> to me, it literally sounds like Charlie Brown's parents. It's like, wah, 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 wah. and I'm just like, I have no idea. I, you went I, to nursing school too. Yeah, but see, okay, and I think this is where we differ on this. If I need to know the information, I know where I can look it up. Meanwhile, you like to know the information. I do. I'm such a science nerd. Right? I'm like, I, I have no capacity. <laughs> I would rather memorize specs for my latest TV or the mics that we have. Dave's a techie. I would, I would, so you know. I would rather save my brain cells for that. And I know where I can look my medical terms up and my procedures up when I need them. All right. Yes, that is something that we definitely differ on. It's not like if I'm going into a code, I'm like, okay, let me review my CPR before I do a code. There are things that obviously you just instinctually know because you've done them so often. Mm -hmm. But for things that you don't use on a regular basis, I won't won't memorize them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Julia is very much... The science nerd in the house, and I definitely she am. she just brings terms up in normal conversation. I do because she's such a dork. Such a dork. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I can't even deny it. I can't even pretend to act offended by that. It's so true. No, you you yeah. like it. You like you. I and I like that about you. You're such a dork about <laughs> it. You you take you take great pleasure in it. <laughs> I do sometimes. (laughs) You're going to hear that come out in this podcast, but that's why there's a balance here. Like I said, I'll bring the research and Dave will bring the opinions. Um, Okay. Another thing that people should know about living life with a nurse. Mm -hmm. We have twisted senses of humor. Oh, nurses are dark. Some very dark. We're not the darkest out there. No. But nurses, nurses have a pretty warped sense of humor. And after... 10 15 years it's pretty much your only sense of humor <laughs> and it comes out in really appropriate inappropriate, in, inappropriate. situations yes 
So I have an example of that, actually, that I am somewhat embarrassed to tell, but I'm going to tell anyways, because hopefully it'll make somebody else laugh too, because this is just an example of the things that go on in a nurse's head that shouldn't come out. And sometimes they do. (laughs) So we had a patient who, um, I was discharging him later that shift and I was just going in and chatting with him and his wife about a few things that we needed to cover in terms of, um, discharge teaching. And he was, um, just, you know, he's a fairly new diagnosis, just started treatment. Um, and he was, you know, showing me some pictures of a bunch of, he had taken up soapstone carving. He was recently retired. And he's like, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do with all this free time that I have. So I had taken up carving as he was showing me all these pictures. And without skipping a beat, without even thinking about what I was saying, you know, as he's telling me about, I didn't know what to do. I needed to pick up new hobbies. I said with my outside voice, I feel like cancer was a bad choice and you could have done better. <laughs> See, even me, a cancer nurse, I look at that and I'm like, holy shit. Good thing I had a wow. really great rapport with this man and his wife. Like they also had very twisted senses of humor because they like they both just burst out laughing, which was like, thank God for me because I was dying inside. I was like, did I just say that with my outside voice? You should never say that with your outside voice, But Julia. you would really, you could, you, uh, not necessarily this story, but you would relate a story like that to friends and family who aren't in nursing. Yeah. And they'd be like, wow, that was- You are a terrible yeah, human terrible being. Human How being. could you say that to yeah. someone who's suffering or whatever? Well, you know, you got to read the room and also you got to have a filter sometimes, Julia. Luckily for me in this case- it happened to be the appropriate circumstance and it was like well received and like a, you got to have a sense of humor to cope with these things, which I think you do. But sometimes it should not be as dark as that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's an example of which, the sense which of humor that you develop in nursing. Which is good to have married another nurse to go can, back to that. Because you can joke about these things at home and no one judges you because we still understand that we're caring, compassionate human beings that would do anything for our patients. Mm. And when you make a joke like that, you actually understand the subtext of it and it makes it funnier. Yes. So, so that's good. Uh, yeah. So that, marry yourself a nurse. Marry yourself a nurse or someone else with a really dark sense of humor, yeah. I guess. EHS, doctor, cop, something of the sort. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's our timestamp here? Oh, we're good. Yeah. Yep. 40 okay. minutes. Okay. Well, maybe we should end <laughs> with one last nursing stereotype. All right. The sexy nurse. Yeah, sure. Are. <laughs> is it true that nurses are always sexy, though? I mean, I I feel like as a male nurse in 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 a female dominated industry, I, I'm not gonna say anything That's about this. <laughs> you go right ahead. I'm gonna say I I will say I married a sexy nurse. There you go. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I think that stereotype that nurses are like Rawr, all the time. It just let's be honest. Nurses are tired when they come home yeah. from work. Like all the stuff you see about, you know, doctors and nurses shacking up at work and stuff like I'm sure that happens in some places, probably mostly eMERGE departments. <laughs> if there are eMERGE nurses listening, I'm sorry. Um, or let us know if it's true. Or let us know. Yeah, there you go. But in all honesty, like we work hard. We come home. We're like. I mean, we spend our life in PJs, whether we're at work in scrubs, yeah, or especially in the pandemic, like we're we're just wearing like hospital scrubs. We're not people aren't even wearing like their really nice like um, Grey's Anatomy scrubs, like Janus scrubs, scrubs. yeah. Right? 
and then they come home and you know you're working night shifts or like shift work so you put you're on dead like dead tired you're putting comfy on clothes pjs or sweats and stuff like you literally you live, live your life in essentially in, pjs so i mean if you find that sexy that's great yeah there you go but just you know but is anybody is anybody sexy at six in the morning after you've been up for 12 hours and been dealing with bedpans and catheters all night long and deaths and i don't know anyways just to you know for people who might be dating a nurse right now who might need to adjust their expectations <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think I'm married a sexy nurse. Well, that's nice of you to say. No, of course. <laughs> and maybe that's a good place to wrap up okay. before we get ourselves into trouble. Uh, so you can, uh, we don't have an outro yet. So Not yet. We're working on it. You can find it. us on socials now. We have an Instagram page, the 24G podcast. Uh, we're on YouTube. Uh, YouTube. We make our podcast into just videos with picture. Uh, which makes it easy to find us is at the 24G podcast as well. Uh, on Spotify, the 24G podcast mm -hmm. and right. Apple, Apple and Google. I think I haven't verified that they're live yet, but they are there. Uh, and you can also get us at the 24G podcast dot Gmail. So that's really easy. 24G podcast from pretty much everything at Gmail at gmail.com. Yep. If you have or, questions, comments, feedback, drink suggestions. Yeah want to tell us off for saying something offensive we're sorry if we do <laughs> or if you want to be extra cool you can uh go on to anchor.fm slash 24g which is our landing page for our podcast are host. you putting that in the podcast yeah, yeah this will be notes. in the notes okay um but there you can actually um you can actually leave like a voicemail message or other messages if you want uh and just drop us a line oh fun all of our like three to five followers yeah, that <laughs> somebody we know could... and have our actual phone numbers <laughs> <laughs> they could leave us a voicemail on our random landing page this, for podcast this is, launching this is for in a year from now when we have like 10 or 12 listeners Ooh, <laughs> maybe somebody that we don't know has started following us. you know you you know you'll have made it when you're, you're like i don't know who these i don't people know are. who you are yeah thank you to all of our friends and family who have started listening thus far yeah with good feedback and yeah, stuff so we appreciate you so big hearts making yeah. a finger hurt for you right now there you go all right. Well, I think that's a wrap. Yeah. We will see you guys next time on the 24 Gauge Podcast. See ya. Bye.